Hey, Billy, why don't we tell them what we're about, man? So we're here to welcome you to the Madhouse Chronicles. It's a talk show with myself, Billy Morrison. And me, as the This man, Prince of Darkness, and we watch and react to the maddest internet clips. What do we discuss, Ozzy? Drugs, rock and roll, aliens, all that kind of shit. Drugs, rock and roll, aliens, and all that kinds of shit. Come and join Ozzy and myself. Visit OsborneMediaHouse.com to get special access to... Come to, on! What do you say? Do you think it's the wildest show on the internet? Oh. <laughs> if you're hurting those you love, I can help you stop. The Healed Being program holds you accountable and helps you transform your behavior and maybe even save your relationship. Break the cycle of emotional abuse and address your triggers and create healthier, lastingasting relationships. Sign up at healedbeing.com today. Welcome to the Overwhelmed Brain, where you'll learn to make decisions that are right for you so that you can create the life you want now. Hello, this is Paul Coliani, and I am here to help you learn to deal with difficult people and tackle life's challenges without compromising who you are. The show consists of my personal opinions and is meant for informational purposes only. Always seek a professional for your mental health and well-being. Let's talk about getting out of a deep hole. Somebody wrote to me and said, Hey Paul, I dug myself into a very deep hole and I don't know how to get myself out. I've been married for a number of years to a man I deeply love, but today he does not trust me and has lost hope in me, all because of my own actions. It is the first time we have started talking and considering separating, and I'm heartbroken. I have made him my only source of happiness, what he likes, what he decides. I've become completely dependent on him. I see today that this is draining him and it makes him not look forward to the next day. He asks me, what do you contribute? And I find myself unable to answer. He came into my life when I was really young and needed guidance, but today I have made him into a father figure who I want to please but fear judgment from. Instead of growing into a more mature person, I've become the child of the relationship, someone he needs to guide through life and through decisions at all times. I see how this is exhausting for him. I took a back seat, turned autopilot on, and I let him lead in our journey. I want to be a partner to him, someone he can trust to make the right decisions that eventually make our lives easier and more enjoyable. But I seem to continuously add chaos through the smallest everyday decisions. And all immediately after we have talked about how I need to change, I've started looking inward, trying to identify my negative self-talk and how to communicate with it writing in a journal and a compassionate letter writing and affirmations, but I find it hard and I continue to make stupid choices all guided by fear. I feel I'm so broken with so much to fix. I don't even know where to start. I've realized I don't even know myself very well since I've been so dependent on my husband. Where do I begin to make big, meaningful change? How? I came across your Overwhelmed Brain podcast and identified with a lot of the themes do you think the Healed Being program would be right for me? I do feel I am hurting the person I love, but I am struggling with how to change myself. Any light you can shed on here or about this would be so helpful. Thank you. Okay. Uh, thank you for writing that. And um, I'm so glad that you have discovered this about yourself. And I can resonate with almost everything that you said because this is me in a past life. 
This is everything I have been or most of everything that I have been or I have done. So I can totally resonate with what you're saying here. I used to be the people pleaser. I used to make people the source of my happiness, you know, my romantic partner. I used to um, be dependent. I used to love to be guided by them. I used to look up to them. I had a fear of confrontation. You didn't say that, but uh, that led to other behaviors and characteristics that um, told basically my partner that they ran the show and whatever they say goes. And I did that because I wanted to be loved. I wanted to be liked. I wanted to be accepted. I wanted to feel like, uh, or I wanted them to feel as if I, I was no trouble at all. I didn't want to be a burden. I didn't want to be trouble. I didn't want to be difficult. I never showed them anger. I never showed them my, quote, bad side. The problem was that a lot of these characteristics, like you said, are completely draining on someone. They can uh, feel like an energy drain. And why that is, is because, again, what you said, you are like a child being led around by an adult. And what does that mean? That means you're not uh, allowing your true self to come out. You're not allowing your own decisions to play a part in your relationship. And what that tells me is that because you're not making any decisions, the other person is also burdened with all the decisions and all the leadership and all everything that you don't want to handle or can't handle. And, um, and some people, you know, they don't mind that. Some people don't mind doing that. But when you're with somebody who wants an equal adult in the relationship, and wants to know what kind of movie you like, even though they might not like it. Someone who wants to know what kind of food you like and which restaurant you want to go to, even though they may not want to go there. They may not like the food. Some people want that because they don't want homogenization. They don't want everything to be exactly the same or basically dull, gray, boring. Because it's more fun to be with somebody who shows up authentically than in a way that makes them believe you're somebody that you're not. Uh, like that is the people pleasing part of all this is that you show up pretending to be someone else uh, because you don't want to show your true self. You don't want to provide your real input. You don't want to give your opinions because it might create conflict. I mean, this really is a lot about conflict aversion. If you're afraid of conflict, you're not going to be opinionated about anything. You're not going to have your own choices and decisions, and you're just going to be agreeable. Yeah, wherever you want to eat, that's fine. Whatever movie you want to see, that's fine. Whatever you want to do is fine with me. Oh, you want to move to the desert? I hate the desert. You know, you say in your head, but then you say... Oh, I'll find a way. You're real optimistic. <laughs> I'll find a way to adapt. No problem. So what you end up doing is being somebody that you believe they want to see. The problem with that is most people don't want to be with somebody who's inauthentic. Most people want to know the real person. Most people want that kind of 
energy in their life. They don't want somebody who just agrees with everything they say, even though, again, <laughs> there are people that might like that. But those people, they're far and few between, and, and they may think they might like that, but then what they end up realizing is uh, this other person has no variety. What happens to a relationship with no variety? It it's just gets dull. It gets stale. There's no variety whatsoever. Why is there no variety? If you are talking about um, politics and there's no variety, that might be actually a, a bad example. <laughs> no variety in politics might be something that uh, is a good thing. But let's just say you're talking about um, food, something easy, food. I think you actually mentioned uh, something about cooking in your message. I didn't read it on the air, but food is a great example. If I asked you, what do you want to eat? And you said, I don't care. What do you want? That's fine every now and then. You know, we say, we say things like that. But what if you said that every time? What if you ask somebody, hey, what do you want to eat? And they said, I don't care whatever you want to eat. Every time. You know what I would start doing? I would pick the most exotic things <laughs> that they would have to eat. I would say, great, we're going out for squid and entrails. <laughs> and uh, if they say, oh, th that doesn't sound good. Well, then it's not whatever I want to eat. Well, I, I don't want that. Well, what do you want? I don't care, just not that. Well, I need you to be descriptive with me. I need you to be a little bit more expressive here. Tell me what you want. We know people like this, my partner Asha and I, we know people that uh, will just be agreeable. They don't want conflict. They don't want to be seen as the bad guy. They don't want to be seen as the person who's disagreeable. They don't want to be seen as the opinionated one. You have a different opinion than me. You're no good. You know, they might think this about themselves. This is what I used to do in my past. I, I used to agree a lot. I was a yes person even when I felt no. If I felt like saying no, but I thought they might look at me funny or not like me anymore or yell at me or fire me or break up with me, I didn't want to chance it. So I said yes. And every time I said yes, I compromised myself just a bit more. It started dissolving me from the inside out. It was, it was erosion, emotional erosion that was taking place inside of me. And this is what happens. And the more you slowly erode yourself because you are agreeable and don't have an opinion or don't want to give your opinion, the more you do things that compromise yourself, the unhappier you get. I know, the more unhappy. The, the, the more unhappy you get. And the more unhappy you are, if you're in a relationship, that starts to affect the relationship. And the other person can sense it. The other person can feel what's going on. In fact, people pleasers are often passive aggressive. They'll say things in a passive way trying to get a message across because they're not direct, uh, but it has an aggressive tone to it. You didn't do the dishes? Okay, that's fine. I'll do them. I mean, that doesn't sound too bad, but there's an aggressive tone underneath that. That's fine. I'll, I'll do the dishes. No worries. Uh, you know, that's fine. That's fine. Uh, I'm okay. <laughs> there's a lot of unspoken words in there. And if somebody is like that all the time, that's that slow erosion I'm talking about. It's a, it's a self-compromising 
thing to do is to not express yourself. And that's just a minor example. I, I mean, these are all minor examples that uh, will change how you feel about yourself and change how people feel about you. And I have plenty of episodes on people pleasing. So I'm not going to talk about people pleasing today, uh, mostly. But I did want to mention that because this person who wrote, that's that explains who I was. And she just basically described my entire past, everything she wrote, all these characteristics is how I used to be. And so it's important that you listen to many episodes of my show, <laughs> everything that you think you need. Uh, you can go to theoverwhelmedbrain.com and click on the all episodes link and then just type the word, type the word uh, codependence, for example. There's some codependence in here or maybe a lot of it. Type the word people pleasing or just people. You'll see people pleasing things and type the word um, decision making That's or decision. Type the word decision in the search field. Because making decisions is part of the process of healing from being a people pleaser. Making real decisions that you want to make for yourself, not for anyone else. Even though they might be involved, they may be part of it. But uh, this is one of the things that I think about when I was going through my healing of being a people pleaser and being dependent on others for my happiness one of the things I asked myself was, if I was not afraid of the consequences, what would I do or say? I actually said, if I had absolutely no fear of the consequences, what would I do or say then? And that gives you a different answer, typically. Now, if you're really deep in the weeds of codependence, you're going to say whatever they want me to say, or whatever they want me to do, because life is easier that way. I don't have to deal with it. I don't have to worry about conflict. But let's just do one thing. And this is what I wanted to guide this person to do. I want you to, to imagine that you're not married and your husband is gone. He's not in your life anymore. I know it's not probably a, a wonderful image, but just put yourself in that space. You're living alone. I'm assuming you're living alone or maybe you have kids or a dog or whatever, but let's just say he's not in the picture anymore. What do you like what do you want to do? What do you want to do for recreation, for leisure? What do you want to do for fun? What kind of music do you like? What kind of music would you play? And I'm talking way after the grieving process of losing the relationship and all that. You are alone. And now you have your own mind. Nobody else is, is around. Nobody else is there to influence you. Good or bad. Nobody else is in your space what do you like? What do you want to do? If you're going to go to a restaurant, where would it be? And you can't say, well, my husband liked this place, so I want to go there. <laughs> you can't say that. But you can say, I've always wanted to try this, but my husband never liked it. But I want to try it. You might go there. Or if you just say, well, we never went to this place, but I love that place. That's the kind of thinking that starts to get you off this treadmill, this endless walking and getting nowhere. That's the kind of thinking you need. What do I like when no one else is around? How do I think when no one else is around? Because if you can start applying what you are when you're alone, when you're in a relationship, suddenly life gets more complicated. <laughs> 
and easier and more fulfilling and more satisfying. And you are going to have a more authentic relationship when you are more authentic. You're going to have a, a longer lasting relationship when you are more authentic, typically. Not always. <laughs> Sometimes authenticity helps you weed out those who aren't compatible with you. And that's another thing about this whole situation is that we might find out that when we're authentic, we might be with somebody who is incompatible with us. And if you're afraid of being alone, you'll be afraid of being authentic. So fear of being alone, fear of rejection, also on my website, look for those because those are going to be important to your healing. But what ends up happening is that you end up with somebody that is compatible with you when you are authentic and that brightens and lightens both people's lives. It strengthens and uh, strengthens the bond. It strengthens the love. It strengthens everything about the relationship. Why? Because you can be yourself. How much easier is it to live your life as you than anyone else? All right, I just received my shingles shot, and uh, this prompted my fiance to set up her next appointment with her provider. And uh, she was tapping on her phone, and while we were walking, I asked her, what are you doing? She said, I'm on their website trying to figure out who's in my network so I can make an appointment, but it's so frustrating. Well, aren't you using ZocDoc? That's what it's for. She said, oh yeah, I forgot about that. You forgot about ZocDoc? How could you forget about ZocDoc? And so, of course, she got right on it, realizing her mistake, and found what she needed right away. ZocDoc is a free app that helps you find the right doctor for you, one who will listen to you. Finding a doctor is so easy. You can book an appointment within a few taps in the app and start feeling better faster. ZocDoc is the only free app that lets you find and book doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, and are available when you need them, and they treat almost every condition under the sun. Go to ZocDoc.com forward slash brain, download the ZocDoc app for free, and then find and book a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's ZocDoc, Z-O-C-D-O-C.com forward slash brain, ZocDoc.com forward slash brain. You know, I say it can get more complicated when you show up in a relationship as authentic because this is where the conflict aversion might kick in for some people is that you do have a different opinion. How's that going to go? How's it going to go when you say, no, I don't want to do that. I would rather do this. Or you could say, I don't prefer doing that. I will because I love you, <laughs> but uh, I would rather do this. People who support your happiness, people who support you being yourself, those are the people that you want in your life. I remember I had a client once and um, she had a boyfriend and her boyfriend was just always super nice, but he had like terrible practice of uh, not committing. Like he would say, hey, let's do this, let's do that, but they would never do it. Hey, I would love to take you there, but they would never go. So there was an issue in that area. 
And there was also an issue where she never saw another side of him. He was always just a little too nice all the time. And again, that sounds like a wonderful thing. And if you're a nice person and that's how you come across, that's great. But don't you ever get angry? Don't you ever get upset? Don't you have an opinion or an opposing opinion about anything? And so we had a, a few conversations about that. And then one day, I don't know if she's listening now, but <laughs> one day she said, uh, he got so angry, he kicked the door and, and I saw this and I couldn't believe what was happening. And she said, it turned me on. <laughs> it was so hot. And I said, really? And we had a conversation about that. But it was the first time she saw, well, what she believed to be a really authentic emotion. It wasn't playing a game. It wasn't trying to people please. It was just a real raw emotion. It wasn't acting like somebody else. It was, it was being himself. That's what he was doing. He was being himself and she loved it. This is what happened to me once <laughs> when I was trying to get out of my people pleasing stage of life. Cause I was, I was married and my wife said, you know, I'm sick and tired of being married to a little boy. When I heard those words, little boy, I never considered myself a little boy. That, that doesn't compute. But she said it because that's how she perceived me, a little boy, just like this person who wrote. She feels like a child in this relationship, and that's probably how her husband sees her too. And so when she said that, I, I said, well, what do you mean? <laughs> I'm a little boy. That doesn't make any sense. I own a car. I can do things that adults do. I have a job. I make money. She said, that's not what I mean. She said, I need someone who isn't afraid to tell me when they don't agree with me. I need someone who isn't afraid of making a sandwich without asking me for permission. Because I would say, hey, is it okay if I make a sandwich? I know we're going to eat soon. Which again is a normal question in a lot of relationships. What? You already ate? I'm making dinner. But when it happens over and over and over again, and I'm asking for permission for everything and I don't want to upset the the apple cart or whatever they say. I don't want to upset the the flow of things. So I'm just agreeable and I need to ask for permission to show them that uh, I'm doing everything I can to keep things okay between us or keep things uh, copacetic. I wanted the relationship to be safe. I had good intentions and a lot of people pleasing type people have Great intentions. They really don't want to cause harm. Uh, we're usually middle children, <laughs> right in the middle. And uh, I don't know if she is or not, but the person who wrote. But I was. That's just what happens with some middle children. They become very neutral, very balanced, uh, and try to keep the peace, try to avoid conflict. But anyone can do this. Anyone can get in this position. So this is where you could be. You could feel like you're doing the right thing, but what ends up happening is the energy drain for, from your partner or whoever is in your life and you not being authentic, that slow erosion inside you, um, all that stuff that people pleasing does to you and to other people can um, end up where this person is today. This uh, Her husband wants her to sound, it sounds like he wants her to be an independent woman, one who has opinions, one who might say, hey, look, would you be a little quiet because I'm trying to read? I'm not saying they should argue. I'm saying that 
it might surprise him to hear her say something that has meaning to her. It might surprise him to hear her have an opinion that is different than his. And it doesn't mean, again, it doesn't mean they argue. It doesn't mean she says, hey, will you shut up? I'm trying to read. It could mean I really don't want to go get pizza tonight because uh, every time I have it, I, I get gas or whatever. I, I would really like to go to Chinese. Well, I don't like Chinese. Well, that's where I would like to go. Whoa, that's a different way, a different approach for this person if she did that. And of course, I'm just making this up right now. It could be any situation. But those personal opinions and those personal thoughts and those personal decisions, if they don't come out, then you're like um, a little puppy or a little child walking around waiting for someone else to make decisions for you. This is why I want to put her in a position of you're alone. I know I'm saying it dramatically, but just picture yourself alone. Who are you when you are alone? Some people in a relationship for so long, they forget who they are. They accommodate, they adapt. They become the chameleon, adapting to their environment, changing colors whenever they need to, or they believe they need to. But the problem with that, of course, is that you are no longer an independent person with your own thoughts and your own ideas and your own opinions. And because you're not, you're more likely to repel people than attract them. Let's look at it as a simple emotionally magnetic force. If you aren't yourself, you know, you're somebody else, you're pretending to be somebody else, you're always just agreeable, you're more likely to push away. And if you are yourself, this is the beautiful thing that happens, is you will attract the right people that are attracted to you. It's not like a law of attraction or anything like that, but just an emotional thing. It's an emotionally attractive force that when somebody is authentic, they will attract people in their lives that are more compatible. And you will be attracted to people in your life that are more compatible with you. Because what ends up happening is that you appreciate someone showing up as real. Wow, you're so real. You, you just say what's on your mind. This is great. This doesn't mean you have to be super bold or super brash or anything like that. It just means you're speaking up for yourself. Hey, I am expressing myself in the world. And the problem with that is that you're going to repel people anyway. No matter who you show up as, you're going to repel people when you show up as authentically and you're going to repel people when you show up as inauthentic. But what ends up happening is when you're authentic, you end up getting very high quality relationships. And when you're inauthentic, those relationships are, they decrease in quality over time. And it usually doesn't take too long. But in this person's case, you know, it took like over a decade, but uh, sometimes they last longer, sometimes they don't. But how much of this marriage was of high quality? How much of it were you happy more of the time than you weren't? Though That's important because if you didn't have a lot of happiness in your marriage and maybe it was a struggle, maybe the marriage was a struggle most of the time, then what was the real benefit of this marriage except to not be alone? And I know I'm leaving out a lot of components of a marriage and other things that could be enjoyable. But if you're unhappy more than you're happy, 
in any relationship, then what's the point of being in that relationship? And this is why this person wants to work on this stuff. And everyone should work on the relationships they want to keep in their life. But it really comes down to, and this is what I really believe, is that you don't work on the relationship. You work on yourself. You don't work on us. You work on me. What does that mean? Of course, you're going to work on the relationship, but me comes first. Me has to be in the relationship. I have to be in this relationship. And because of that, I am 50% of the relationship. So if I work on us, am I going to focus on me at all? Of course, I'm going to focus on me. But am I going to focus on the, the most important parts? Or here's the problem. The biggest problem is when you work on us, what you end up doing is developing a philosophy that as long as you're together, the relationship won't end. As long as you're together, the relationship won't end, which means will you still think that you have to work on the relationship as long as you're together? This is a dilemma. It can be a huge dilemma. If you're in a relationship and you're still together, you might think, well, we're still together, so the relationship is working. And some people might say, well, we're together and I know the relationship isn't working, but we're still together. So where is your focus? Is your focus on us? Like I got to continue fixing the little or putting out the little fires in the relationship just to keep it from burning down? Or should I now focus on 50% of the relationship? Me, you, you need to focus on that 50% of it. I need to focus on myself. Just like that person needs to focus on themselves. This person asked, would the Heal Being program be right for me? That's my program for emotionally abusive people that want to change. Uh, I don't know if it would be right, but it would definitely be helpful. You can sign up for the first four lessons for free over at healedbeing.com. But it would be helpful because what I discuss in there is basically getting out of codependence, building and strengthening yourself, emotionally speaking and mentally, so that you show up as the best version of yourself in a relationship. Now, you may not be emotionally abusive, or at least not purposefully. Although, I will ask the question, and I know I can't get an answer, but think about this. Do you ever give the silent treatment because you're upset and you want them to know you're upset? The silent treatment, oh, there's two versions. The silent treatment of withholding love, that's one version. You withhold love and affection just to make them feel bad, just to show them that they're hurting you. So you're going to hurt them back, even though they may not be intentionally hurting you or whatever, whatever they might be or not. But silent treatment puts you in a state where they don't know where you are. So that's kind of taking away their ability to read you. And you know, that makes them feel bad or feel guilty or whatever. If, if you're in silent treatment mode and you want them to feel bad about that, that's, uh, that's the emotionally abusive form. The other form of silent treatment isn't really the right term for this, but it's processing. Like you can go uh, silent, you know, just not talk, take some time because you're going to process something. Like if somebody says something really awful to you and you just don't know how to take it, then you're going to go silent and process and just reflect, figure it out. But it's not with the intent to hurt someone else. It's with the intent to figure it out. What just happened there? I need some time. And so that 
can be, uh, or that's the difference. That's the big difference between one version of the silent treatment and the other version, which is really just processing. But it can look the same. That's why I'm saying that. Well, you know, that person's silent to me all the time. Probably because you're saying a bunch of awful things and they need to process it. They don't know how to process it. So that could be happening as well. But that's what I'm asking the person who wrote. Do you ever give the silent treatment uh, in a, an attempt to make them, your husband, feel bad about what he said or did? Because if you did, that's a, a very passive aggressive thing to do, which tells me more that you might actually be doing emotionally abusive behavior and don't even realize it. So if that's the case, I mean, either way, sign up for the four lessons for free and you'll know pretty much by lesson four if you need to go any further. It's just easy to do that and it's free, so it doesn't matter. Now, you know, I want to address some of the other things in your in your email. You said, I dug myself into a very deep hole and I don't know how to get myself out. So that means probably when you started the relationship, you immediately started the people pleasing or just being codependent or depending on him for your happiness. Uh, that of course is again, very draining when you depend on somebody else for your source of happiness, because they will probably want to do their own thing and think their own things and have their own thoughts and ideas and have their own brain space and even physical space. Everyone needs all of this. We, we need our own brain space, our own physical space. And when somebody's there, it's, I hate to say this, it feels like a leech like an emotional leech because they're always there. They're clingy, clingy and needy. And that's, you know, that's like a child. Like I've known some adults that, um, they finally feel good in themselves and they're finally free of that needy relationship. And then they have a kid <laughs> and then suddenly it's all over again. Needy, needy, needy. And you know, they get frustrated, but they love their kids. But you know what I mean? So if you have been, that needy, clingy, maybe even jealous or possessive person, all of these traits are very, uh, very much in alignment with somebody who's codependent. All of these traits are very much in alignment with somebody who's a people pleaser and somebody who's non-confrontational, somebody who's afraid to express themselves, afraid to have their own opinions in front of others. So when you have all this going on, it's a big mix and it's going to feel like you've dug yourself into a deep hole when you realized, oh, great. Now I'm doing all this stuff. Where do I start? And my first place, you know, the first place I'm going to recommend you start is imagining yourself alone. What do you like? What would you do? Uh, what would you try? What kind of food do you like? What kind of movies? What kind of music? All of this stuff that are usually influenced. All this stuff is influenced by somebody else when we're with somebody else. But if they're not in the picture, what would you do? What would you eat? What would you listen to? What would you say then? Because that starts to help you form a picture of yourself. The second thing you can do, or you should do, and I should you here, <laughs> is to start practicing expressing a truth. Just a, a small truth. Start expressing or, or multiple small truths about yourself and what you want to do with your life, even in a moment. This is called honoring yourself, honoring your boundaries, being in alignment with your values. When you start to get to know yourself again, because you're visualizing yourself alone, 
The next step is to honor yourself, honor your boundaries, honor your values. What does that mean? That means if somebody comes along and says, hey, I'd like to come over and uh, spend the night over there and eat all your food, what are you going to say? <laughs> it's a silly example, but maybe it's true. I'd like to come over there because I don't have any food and I want to crash on your couch and uh, I, I want to be there in about a half hour. This could be somebody toxic in your life or maybe it's a friend and you don't care, but let's just say it's somebody you don't want to have over. What do you say? What's going to happen if you say, sorry, can't do it? That's what we need to address inside ourselves because if you want to say no and you say, well, okay, instead, why? Why did you do that? Well, I don't want them to be mad at me or I don't want to cause trouble. I don't want to get into that conversation. I agree you should pick your battles wisely. I say that on my other show, Love and Abuse. But when we're trying to get to know ourselves and trying to form the structure of who we are, form ourselves from the ground up because we're so deep, like you said in your email, I'm, I've dug a hole so deep that I don't even know where to begin. You begin with getting to know yourself and expressing truths inside of you. So when somebody calls up and says, I want to come over and eat all your food and sleep on your couch and I expect to have clean towels in the morning. Hopefully you don't have anybody that ever says that, but uh, they would at least ask. But let's just say that happened. What do you say? And if you say, okay, that's fine. I'll clean up. And, and you don't want to, if you say all that and you don't want to, why? Why did you say that? What is your reason for saying that? Because when you answer that, a fear will come up. I mean, if you really want to say no, what's the fear? What is the fear that stops you from saying no? Why don't you say no? What would happen if you said no? And then, of course, my question, what would you do or say if you had absolutely no fear of the consequences? I know what I'd say. I'd say, uh, no, <laughs> you can't come over and do that. I have my food, it's my food, and if you want to come over and visit for an hour, that's great, but no, you can't crash on the couch, and you can't do all that, and you know, again, it depends on who it is, but just using this as an example, because it could be one of those fear of confrontation moments, and so, I mean, I've had these moments in my life, this is really how I stopped people-pleasing altogether, is by facing that fear and doing it anyway. I had a fear of confrontation with my stepfather and he showed up at my mom's house. I've told this story dozens of times, but he showed up at my mom's house and my previous self, I mean, before that moment, my previous self would have said, oh, uh, uh, hi, uh, come on in. My current self says, you're not allowed here. You can't come in. That's who I am today. Now, that pivotal moment in my life, I said, um, I'm sorry, you're not welcome here. And that was me telling myself if I, or asking myself, if I had absolutely no fear of the consequences, what would I do or say then? And I did. I asked myself in that moment. And I also reminded myself, hey, Paul, you're practicing this honoring yourself, yourself stuff. You're practicing authenticity. It's time to face the music. It's time to face your fear. And it's time to face the consequences for being authentic. And that's scary as hell. I don't want to do that. I didn't. I didn't want to do that at the time. 
because facing the consequences of being authentic means pain. And I really believe that's what would happen if I was authentic. Pain and, and suffering and, and uh, just making a mess of things. I didn't want to make a mess of things. But I decided that that's who I'd been my entire life. And where am I now? Still freaking scared. I hated it. I hated being afraid. And I chose differently. I said, you know what? I don't care. And this is all on my mind. I don't care what happens to me in this moment. I am no longer going to be afraid of facing confrontation and especially facing this particular person whom I've had very difficult time facing and expressing myself honestly. And that day he showed up, I expressed myself honestly. And for those who haven't heard, uh, he just shrugged his shoulders and said, okay. And then he left. And I thought, what, <laughs> what just happened? How come I didn't do this 15 years ago? How come I wasn't confident enough? I mean, I'm like a foot and a half taller than this guy. And He's, I could take him if I had to. What, what was my problem? Why did I do this? Because I'm not a physically aggressive person, so I don't think in those terms. But it really did dawn on me uh, all of the stuff I was afraid of happening. All of that stuff just built up and created the person I was. And I followed that philosophy that if you fear it, you should avoid it. I just followed that same philosophy. So that kept me in fear. But the day I addressed that was the day he showed up and I said, you know what? It's time to stand up to this person and say, no, you can't have your way this time. This is not how it's going to go. And so I did. And I just waited for whatever pain was coming my way. But the wonderful, miraculous, magical thing happened, which was I learned that standing up for myself was the opposite of compromise. And when you don't compromise anymore, the inner emotional erosion stops, or at least very, very much decreases. Because that's what happened. In that moment, after he left, I thought, oh my God, I did it. <laughs> I stood up to him, and I have no idea why I didn't before. I just had to pass that moment. I just had to overcome that obstacle. The obstacle was just uh, something in my mind. I didn't want to feel afraid. I didn't want to feel like I had to be afraid of this person anymore. I didn't want to be afraid of a person that kept getting whatever he wanted. And it was because people let him do whatever, whatever he wanted because he was abusive and he was very dangerous to be around. And, um, so I decided to face it. And now I'm not giving this advice. I'm not saying, Hey, if there's a dangerous person in your life, just stand up to them. Don't be afraid. But I am saying there are many opportunities to do this. I'm saying there are many opportunities for you to express yourself, express a truth that you don't take because you're afraid of the consequences. But what are the consequences? You're going to get slapped across the face? I don't want you to. But I think this is not a professional opinion. <laughs> My personal opinion is, hell, it's worth a slap in the face. Do it. Let's just get this over with because I finally said what I wanted to say. Not my suggestion. But I would do it because I don't want to be afraid. I'm sick of being afraid. 
was afraid all my life and I'm done with it. I think that's a great place to be standing up for myself, standing up in my own shoes, feeling comfortable. And I did that over and over again. After that incident, I continued to stand up for myself and express myself to people that I may have felt comfortable doing it to or with. And uh, that changed my life because every time I did it, I felt um, safer and freer and more confident in myself because I learned, and this is what happens is through positive reinforcement, is that the more you do something and pretty much survive it, the more you're likely to decrease the fear around it. And that's all it took. Just continuing to honor myself. And this is what I believe is that when you honor yourself over and over and over again, and people get to hear the real opinion, hear your real expression of self and see what you're doing and you are okay. <laughs> you're okay in your own shoes. You feel good being yourself. Then they start to get to know the real you. And then they start to admire the real you and respect the real you or don't want anything to do with you. And they'll leave. That's again, this is the caveat is that you're going to make authentic relationships and you're also going to eliminate some relationships. Maybe if you haven't done this before, this is what happens. And not only that, you discover that uh, the people that you were around before, you don't see them the same anymore. Especially if you've been codependent, especially if you've been a people pleaser and you've done a lot of things for a lot of other people. And then you start doing more for yourself and not being so accommodating or submissive or whatever. They start to see the real you and you're going to learn who are your real friends and who are your real family, who really honors you honoring yourself. Who loves you loving yourself? Who is happy for you when you are happy in yourself? Because those who don't support your happiness probably aren't the right people for you in your life. And that's important too. Now with this person who wrote, maybe he wants to support her happiness, but he doesn't know who she is. I don't know. I don't know the whole story. But you know, I look at this and ask this person, what do you have to lose by being authentic now? I mean, if your marriage is just about over, why not be yourself? Why not give a real opinion, a real thought? Why not express something that you've been afraid to express? Why not speak your mind about something that you haven't spoken your mind about before? Why not just bring it up? I never liked fish. But I always ate it because it made you happy. <laughs> that might be something you say. I don't know. But you don't, you don't have anything to lose right now. Just be yourself. Now, I know your question is, who am I? <laughs> That's basically what you're asking. I'm so far in that I don't know who I am anymore. You said, I find it hard to continue to make stupid choices all guided by fear. That's the answer. You're making choices guided by fear. So if you're making choices guided by fear, then what would you do if you were fearless? What choice would you make then? You might say, oh, I couldn't do that, but that's the problem. Maybe you should. Maybe that's the point. Maybe your answer is in your own words. What choices would you make? And we've already talked about this, but what choices would you make if you were fearless? 
You had absolutely no fear of the consequences. Because as soon as you make those choices for yourself, inside yourself, based on what you want instead of what you fear, this is what changes your life. And that is the, that is the hardest step to take, believe me. Because you don't know what's on the other side of it. Or you believe you know what's on the other side of it, so you don't do it. You believe you know what's going to happen. But play it out. Go to the worst case scenario. Okay, if I say this thing, what will happen? If I say this, they might get mad at me. And then we drill down. Yeah, so what? They get mad at you. How is that a big deal? Well, if they get mad at me, then uh, that might cause a strain in the relationship. Yes, so what? If If it causes a strain in the relationship, how is that a big deal? Well, it's a big deal because I want to keep that relationship. Yeah, but your relationship is based on your fear, or at least the way you show up in this relationship. So do you want to keep the relationship by you staying in fear? Well, no, I don't want to stay in fear. Well, then if you did or said what you really wanted to do or say, then it strained the relationship. But because they love you and support you and want you to be yourself, suddenly they're supporting you being authentic. Doesn't that change things? That could be the way you should think about this. But um, again, we have to pick our battles wisely. We can't just show up as authentic to every single person because uh, there could be some danger involved. But most of the time, there's not. Most of the time, there is not any danger. There is just our fear. And what is that fear? What do you fear? Write down everything you fear about a certain thing. You know, let's just say that you wanted to say something, but you have these fears. Write those down. Are you writing that in your journal? I fear this. I fear this. I fear this. And then take it to the worst case scenario, like I was just starting to say, uh, I fear this will happen. Okay, if that happens, uh, what's worse than that? What else could happen? Okay, write that down. Well, what's worse than that? Uh, they could get mad at me. Well, what's worse than that? Well, they could um, scream at me. Okay, what's worse than that? Well, they could hit me. Do you think they would? Well, no, I don't. Or maybe you do. Okay, so how is that a bad thing? Ah, oh, that's that's a terrible question. Why would I want to think that's no big deal? So what? No, I don't want to think that. No, because we don't often go this far in our thinking. We just stop and say, well, I don't want to get hit, so I'm going to stop right there. No, I want you to go further. Take this out to the extreme. What if you got hit? Oh, uh, well, if I got hit, then I would definitely, uh, I would leave this person. I would never see them again. Okay, so what's so bad about that? Well, I love this person. Really? You love this person that hits you? You start thinking in different ways. Let's just say that you left and they're no longer in your life. This person that hit you. uh, How is that a bad thing? Have you ever taken your thinking this far? Have you ever gone down that rabbit hole so far that uh, you didn't reach a stopping point and you just kept going, what's worse than that? What's worse than that? Because sometimes we go off on a tangent. Oh, what's worse than that? I don't want to be hit. But we went off on a tangent and we realized, wow, if I'm with somebody that hits me, I don't want to be with them at all in this example. So this is why I believe it's important to go down that rabbit rabbit hole, drill down, and figure out how much worse it can get so you understand all the possibilities because usually we stop. We stop ourselves and we don't want to go that far because we believe just by going to level three of whatever it is out of a hundred levels, going up a level or down a level, whatever, just by going to the next level of something, 
what's worse than that? Why would I think beyond that? Because if that happened, that would be over. Maybe not. And this is why we do this exercise. So that's my suggestions for you. Just write the stuff that you might fear and the reasons you might not do something. And then when you get to the worst possible case scenario, come back to now. And what ends up happening is that you had all these visualizations, everything that you thought could happen and get worse and worse and worse. And so the very next thing that you do now is so far removed from how bad it could get. It could be like a hundred different levels to get to how bad it could get. And it makes it different. It makes the whole thing different. Sometimes you lose your fear altogether because it's not that bad. It could be worse. And then you have all these realizations when you drill down. Yeah, it's worse than that. It's worse than that. But if it was that bad, wow, maybe I wouldn't want that person in my life. That kind of might be a blessing. <laughs> it might be helpful when thinking about it like that. And this may not apply to the person who wrote, just in general. So when she said, I find it hard and continue to make stupid choices all guided by fear, what are your choices if they're not guided by fear? That's the solution to all of this. And I, again, I know it's a hard step. It was one of the hardest steps I had to take as well. And I hope this is helpful to you. I don't know that uh, we could go all kinds of places with this because uh, there's several dysfunctions <laughs> throughout your message. And I only say that because I have experienced all of this and I'm not saying you're dysfunctional, but you do have things to work on. I had a lot to work on and I can so resonate with everything you said. Thanks again for writing. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. I want to thank the financial backers of the show. I call them patrons of the week. Leela, Christy, Andy, Anna, Adriana, and Sandra. Sandra, you're new. Always nice to see a new name in there. Thank you, Sandra, for joining and participating in the patron program. This is how we um, keep the lights on. I mean, it's not the only way, but definitely is very helpful. Thank you for your patronage, for your financial support. I am very grateful. If you value the show like these patrons do, head over to moretob.com and you'll have options to give back. Thank you again, patrons. And for a show on how to deal with difficult relationships, I mentioned it earlier, loveandabuse.com. It helps you navigate those difficult relationships and try to figure out what they mean and why are they controlling or manipulative or deceptive or emotionally abusive. I cover all that at loveandabuse.com. And if you know you're the difficult one in the relationship, if you are causing the problems and you want to stop causing those problems and maybe your relationship's on the rocks, head over to healedbeing.com and I have a very comprehensive and very successful to a lot of the people that take it. Most of the people who take it will achieve success and in my experience, anyone who actually applies the lessons, applies the teachings that I put in there and actually joins the support group. We have a Facebook support group that we talk back and forth. It's accountability. It's venting. It's asking questions. If you attend, you will get somewhere. You will figure things out. You will feel lighter. You will feel freer getting out of the old emotionally abusive patterns and developing help, healthier coping mechanisms and just feeling better inside yourself. Your, your whole life changes when you really apply the steps. So that's over at healedbeing.com and it's just something I'm very passionate about 
and um, seeing changes in so many people. And if you need something like this, I hope to see you over there as well. Healedbeing.com. And finally, thanks to Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for some of the music transitions in the overwhelmed brain. And for my final word, just a, my last comment on that person who wrote, she said that she was afraid of making decisions. I do have episodes on making decisions. And my in a nutshell response to that is that in order to get better at making decisions, you have to make decisions. You have to make ones that could fail and probably will fail. I don't know how many times I said, let's do it and then failed. <laughs> I said, I'm going to do this right now and I'm just going to see what happens. And I fail. And then I succeed later. And then I've learned that the more decisions I make, the less failure I have. Mainly because I've learned from my failures. This is what happens. Easier decision making over time. Very hard decision making up front. <laughs> so you're going to experience this when you practice decision making. You're going to make the wrong ones. Hey, I've signed us up for salsa lessons. I don't want salsa lessons. I never want to do salsa. What, what are you talking about? Sorry, I'll take us off the list. But you made a decision. You put it out there. You knew there was a chance that maybe they would say no, but you tried it anyway just to see what would happen. And okay, in this case, my example, he didn't like it. Didn't want to do it. Okay, anything else you want to try? Yeah, let's have a conversation about it. But you made a decision. You went for it. And it doesn't mean you practice decision-making with somebody else. You just practice it yourself. Today, I'm going to decide to do this. And somebody else may not like that, but I'm going to decide to do this. Or I'm going to make this decision, even though it might be the wrong one. It's sort of like um, the faster you make them, <laughs> the more likely you'll make better ones in the future. And uh, that doesn't mean you have, to you have to make all decisions fast. It just means you don't ruminate. You don't continuously think about all the possible scenarios. Take fear out. This is the fear thing again. Take fear out of your decision-making process. Then ask the question or then decide. Then you make that decision right then and there. You got to pick your battles wisely. You got to think about a lot of things I know all the time. But take fear out. Use logic. This is not easy for everyone, but... When you take fear out, what is the logical thing? What is the most reasonable thing? And sometimes it's not based on logic. Sometimes it's just based on, this is what I want to do. I want to do this. This is why I'm deciding to do it. Yeah, but it's going to cost too much. Yeah, but I've feared this all my life. I always fear decisions based on money. So this time I'm going to do it. That could be what you do. So that's uh, my quick and easy, but I, I talk about that on other episodes of The Overwhelmed Brain. Just look for them on my website. And maybe fear of decision-making will be a thing of the past someday. Wouldn't that be nice? I'm not saying all decisions are now easy to make, but they do get easier with practice. And if you still need to work on decision-making, just remember to keep an open mind. That helps you step into your power and be firm in those decisions and actions so that you can create the life you want. Always take steps to grow and evolve. You are powerful beyond measure and above all, and this is something I absolutely know to be true about you. You are amazing. Amazing.